Yep, it's Bronze and Modern Gods. I'm John. I'm Richard. Hey, everybody. Uh, we've got another show. <laughs> Thank you, John, for that succinct introduction. Underselling it, right? You know what we do here. We've got underrated books of the week. We've got the 25-year rule. We've got our main topic today, which is, is it time to sell your collection? How do you know? What do you do? Uh, we're here with our experiences and our advice. And first, I want to remind everybody that we will be streaming live this coming weekend at California Comic-Con on Sunday, 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 February 5th from the short boxed booth. Now, if you've never been to California Comic-Con, Richard, tell them about it. Oh, it's awesome. It is a comic, it's a convention for comic book nerds. There are no Funkos, there are no anime things. It's just comic books and comic book paraphernalia. It's a great show. It will be at the Westin at South Coast Plaza in Costa Mesa, California. So you kind of have a twofer. If you've got a significant other that uh, is not in comic books, drop him, uh, him or her off at South Coast Plaza. There's a Louis Vuitton. Uh, there's a Gucci. You know, <laughs> you're going to spend $4,000 on a Peanuts, number one. Let them spend $5,000 on a bracelet. Very <laughs> Yeah, or a single <laughs> earring. Uh, but no, we're going to be at California Comic Con. If you want more information, go to calcomiccon.com. Simple, calcomiccon.com. We're going to see all you guys there. Please uh, come up, say hi. We're going to be at the Short Box booth broadcasting live and walking around buying every copy of Rawhide Kid number 23. <laughs> Can't oh, wait. That. That's just me. All right, let's move on to our hot book of the week, Richard. This is all oh, oh. you're forgetting a very, very important event that happened this week. What? We hit five thousand subscribers. Oh yeah, whatever. Hey, uh, <laughs> right. we hit five thousand. We hit five k. So if you have not subscribed yet, too late. You missed out. <laughs> no, there's always ten k. Everybody, oh. please subscribe. Oh, okay. Do that. Yes, we want to get to 10K. Seriously, though, we do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, that is incredibly uh, humbling and inspiring all at once. Could you imagine when we started this in April of 2020, Richard, that we would have 5,000 people who gave a crap what we had to spew? Not at all. I, mean, I could barely get my wife to be interested in what I'm talking about. So to have 5,000 <laughs> other people is amazing. Take her to the Gucci at South Coast Plaza while you go to California Comic Con. I'm telling you, it works every time. Thank you all. If you have not subscribed yet, we would love to have you on board. Please hit that subscribe button. Hit like. It all helps the algorithm. Each and every one of you, we appreciate it. And now it's time for your hot book of the week, Richard. What is it? It's my hot book. It is all you. <laughs> this this week, it's Sins of Sinister, number one, the Art Germ 1 in 100 version variant that's a mouthful i don't think it's anything virginal about this cover whatsoever <laughs> uh this follows along with art germ's love for emma frost it's a for those who are, who are listening to this it's a picture of emma frost leaning back on like a a, a a white throne and she has a provocative pose and frankly it it reminds me of other covers that um our germ is done with Emma Frost. He likes Emma Frost as a character. And I, you know, I don't blame him. It's it, she's elegant and sophisticated and gorgeous. So it's a great combination. Um, 
there's a lot of FOMO around this cover. I, you know, I, I don't know if Sins of Sinister uh, is a significant book in its own right in terms of a long-term value, but there's a lot of FOMO going around this book. We saw sales of around $200 for Raws of this book on eBay. Um, staying power, again, I'm, I'm not really sure that this is going to be a book that is important for its comic book contribution, but if you're a completionist for Art Germ, or you just like Art Germ's uh, artwork, I have a feeling this is just like other books that Art Germ has done for Emma, uh, is going to maintain a certain level of value. Just, just an overpay. And also, there is a uh, trade dress version of this book. Please, if you buy, to make sure that it is not the trade dress version, which only sells for five or six bucks. The yeah. virgin variant is the one that is the one in 100 and the one that has this value. Uh, you know, I, I'm interested in the fact that Mr. Sinister, Mr. Sinister is still around uh, because I just, you know, it's such a throwback to classics. Who calls themselves Dr. Doom? I'm <laughs> Doctor of Doom. And, uh, you know, he sits there and he goes, you know what? I'm going to call myself Mr. Sinister. It's right on the label. You know what you're getting when you deal with me. I'm Mr. Sinister. <laughs> He's He's one of my favorite villains. He's just, he's got attitude and uh, despair. I just love the fact that he had the balls to call himself Mr. Sinister, like, you know, Dr. Evil. Uh, it, yeah, it just, I love that throwback uh, name. Are they still calling him Mr. Sinister or is he just Sinister now? Uh, I, I have not read this book, so I don't know. Yeah. Who has? Hey, you guys, let us know in the comments. <laughs> is he still the proper Mr. Sinister uh, or is he just uh, the informal Sinister? Just call me Sins, you know, <laughs> if you want. Hey, uh, enough of that. Time for our main topic, which is a timely one, Richard, in these inflationary times we live in. When is it time to sell your collection? When do you know? How will you know? What will you do? Will you do it? All these questions are coming up as I look through Instagram, as I doom scroll through Instagram and I see people who I've been following for years getting out, just uh, jumping ship and saying, I'm done. I, I don't know if it's just happens to be my feed or if it's widespread, what do you see? Yeah, I, I do see people, um, and I don't wanna say um, panicking, but you know they, they feel, feel a soft market and they don't feel like outweighing waiting that soft market. And so they're dumping books because they need they need capital, they need liquidity, and um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's it's a hobby and it's it's your collection and you do what you want with it. Uh, but you may want to think more long term if you are you have a significant amount of books or highly highly sought after books about how you sell them. The good news for you guys out there is you got your two uncles here who have been through this a few times. Uh, we've uh, long time listeners of this podcast have heard me talk about my two purges, my first purge around 1996, 1995, when I sold literally my entire collection, everything, even my Captain Americas, uh, to pay for a 1994 purple Ford Ranger. Yeah. Which you still have, right? No, I don't have that Ford Ranger. Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, I drove it into the ground, though, until I got a 2001 PT Cruiser, but that's a whole other story. Um, yes, you can all get in the comments about the PT Cruiser. Go on. The um, the other time I purged is when I went through a, a breakup after a long-term relationship, and I had to move out 
and find a place and rent it in Southern California. And I sold pretty much everything then. And I had built up a decent collection. Then I had like almost a full run of Venus from the fifties, yeah. my, all my Atlas era, Captain America's and a bunch of golden age caps. So I'm here to tell you if you're not feeling it anymore and you have financial needs, you got to do it. I mean, it's, it's tough, but you can always recollect. You can always build it back up again. Um, I think if you're not feeling it, you kind of know when it's time. Are you trying to fund a grail? That's another great reason to sell books. You know, you want to sell all that stuff. Uh, that doesn't mean much to you anymore. Like you, you stocked up on the God of hammers first appearance in Thor. What? <laughs> And you want to buy a Thor 126 instead, the first issue of the ongoing series? Yeah, that's a good reason to sell. Um, the uh, Susie Orman wig is coming on here. Do you have credit card debt? Are you having trouble paying your bills every month in full? Yeah, then it's time to start purging. Sorry, I'm going to be Susie and tell you. Uh, if your credit card debt, here is how you can really just wake yourself up. Go to your credit card statement. I know it's awful and you don't want to do it. You don't want to face it. Go to your credit card statement and look at the monthly interest you're paying. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you're paying over $100 in monthly interest, pay that card off by any means necessary. Because think about it. If you're paying three, $400 a month in interest, that's literally three or $400 a month you could have been buying comic books with, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you just, you know, I don't want to put my Susie or my hand on, but if you only pay the minimum on those credit cards, you're, it's going to take you years to pay those off. So you want to, you want to, like John says, I'd bulk up on it and try to pay it off as quickly as possible. Now, how do you sell your books? There's a few ways. Um, I will tell you probably the quickest and most efficient way to do it is also, in my opinion, the worst way to do it. And that's by going to your LCS with a bunch of long boxes and saying, hey, I'm getting rid of my collection. Do you want to buy these? Because you will make pennies on the dollar, which is not a slam on local comic book stores. They have to make money. They're not going to give you um, fair market value for your books. They have to give you a minimum or not minimum, but probably at the very most 50% of right. fair market value because they have to use their time and resources to grade and price those books and sit on them for a while until they sell. So you are not going to get the maximum value for your books. If you sell them through an LCS, uh, you might want to try if, it, if they're significant books, you might want to try the uh, heritage auction or comic connect route. Just take a stack with you to a convention where they are. They accept, they accept, um, you know, uh, stuff there, or they'll work with you there. I've done that before when I bought a whole bunch of uh, pre-hero Marvel monster titles that were part of the Nicolas Cage collection mm. at an auction, and I got them slabbed. And I, I think I sold them through Comic Connect. I just or Comic Link, one of the two. I met them at the San Diego Comic Con, dropped them off, and a few months later, I got a nice meaty check. Uh, but you know, the LCS is not the route to take if you want to maximize it now. Having said that, if it's a bunch of dreck and you got a buyer that's going to give you something for it and you're desperate, yeah, of course do that. Um, don't sell out of fear, though. If you're selling not because you need the money, but because you think the market 
is really depressed and and this is the only time you're going to be making money that is wrong let me tell you as someone who's done it twice and regretted it <laughs> i will tell you this there are so many books that i've bought and i've stuck in a box and they've sat there in a closet for 10 or 20 years and then i break them out and now they're hot and they go for hundreds and thousands of dollars and it's like i just uncovered buried treasure uh if you play a long game uh you know i had a box full of spawn number ones uh i had a few ultimate fallout fours from back in the day stuff like that have you ever discovered buried treasure in your collection richard that you forgot about yeah well that's how i got back into the hobby i you know i i had heard peripherally about i think maybe i was talking to you about the values of books um and so i went to my mother's attic where i have hidden hidden my books back in 1990 something up in the attic and i pulled them down and they are these yellowed long boxes and and uh was going through it and said you know i'm pulling out books and this is 200 dollars and this is 400 dollars and um it was just amazing how you know these books had a value that i never would have associated with books like that and uh so yeah i mean that that was probably the biggest haul is me looking at my old collection and seeing what things in there because you know i had books from 19 probably 1978 all the way through the early 90s and uh, yeah it was a significant amount of money now you're talking about selling books now i look at books in three different categories i look at books you know the inner circle books the books that i'm going to keep forever there's a books you know my dad gave it to me or it has some other emotional significance to you that you don't want to part with that particular book i don't have any of those <laughs> okay but i could see somebody who's you know whose dad passed down a collection and that book you know that i don't know uh, daredevil you know 235 or whatever is important to you because your dad gave it to you um i do have category two books which are books that are very important to me you know ultimate fallout fours my my uh fantastic four number five and things like that those books are important to me and i will resist the urge to sell those books because either a they're going to be difficult to replace or b they're i i could never afford them for the value that they are now um so yeah i keep those books close to home that doesn't mean now if if the situation came about i wouldn't immediately have it available for sale it's it's mm -hmm. it's they're just books you know they just happen to be the books in my collection i can replace them and then there's the outer ring of books and those are the books that i you know that's the majority of my collection books that i buy because i like them i think they're cool um like i bought a tarot number one for david nakayama i thought it was a gorgeous cover beautiful book it's in my collection because i like it but if all of a sudden it, it has a value or i need the money i'll turn around and sell it because it's it can be replaced i can always replace books like that and um I think it's important to realize these are just things. And if you have a need for that money, or if you decide that you no longer want to collect, um, it's perfectly a legitimate, legitimate choice to, uh, to sell those. I mean, if you have to put a down payment on some eggs, it's time to sell. Uh, this is the economic reality we're living in, but if you're okay and you're doing all right and you've got a steady job and insurance and the credit card debt is down then hold on to stuff because you just never know what's gonna pop i mean the reason why the first appearance of ms marvel 
in Marvel point one is so expensive is because nobody ever thought that there was going to be a Ms. Marvel TV series for God's sake. And here we are 10 years later. And, and, and watch out for seller's remorse because I have sold books that didn't need to sell, but I sold them because they were at a good price. And I now look back and I'm like, wow, I really wish I had kept that book because I cannot replace it for what I sold it for. Um, Captain America, weird tales, number 74. Now I had I had a hands you know, uh, ultimate Fallout Four Djevic variant nine point eight that I got raw and had slabbed and it was a beautiful book and I sold it for what I thought was a good amount of money, but um, <laughs> for forty some odd thousand. So you know, it, buyers remorses or sellers remorse is important. But again, if you look at your books like I do, where um, they're just things, they can be replaced. All of them can be replaced if. You, it's it makes it much easier to let them go yeah that's a very good point everything physical for the most part can be replaced i mean i'm in a much better place than i am now financially and just in life than i was when i had all those comic books mm -hmm. and i can honestly say looking back that was a stepping stone to get me out to california to get me in the industry that i'm in if i had not done that i wouldn't be here now so there's buyer's remorse, but then there's, you know, healthy buyer's remorse, which is, hey, that happened. It's over. We're going to move on and 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 recollect and find another Captain America Weird Tale 74 yeah. or something. Yeah, there are other. Yeah, um, there is no book out there except for that inner circle book that your dad gave you that uh, without the with some diligence you can replace. So don't don't feel about bad. About and being debt free is a peace of mind that is priceless. Yeah. Yeah. I just went through that where I had was saving money for an AF 15. And I decided that that money that I was putting aside of that better was better served by paying off my debt. And, and, um, I don't regret it. I look, I look at the AF 15s every now and then and go, yeah, I wish I had that. But at the same time, I, I, it, it's a lift weight off your shoulder to not have to carry around a, a debt. Well, this coming Sunday at California Comic Con in Costa Mesa, use your credit card to buy a Amazing Fantasy <laughs> 15. Oh man, I don't even know what I'm going to buy when, when when we get there. I'm I'm um, I, I'm in a I'm also in a very good position with my collection because the things that I want I have. There yeah. there are some books that are, you know are cool, I think, but you know I've got the core books that I that I want. Um, so I, you know, I'd be very interested to see what tempts me at the California Comic-Con. I'm kind of the same. There are no big ticket items that I want slash need. It's more going to be like, I don't know, am I going to find Peanuts number 12, you know, in a 9-0? That's the kind of stuff that I don't, I, I never know. And I, I, I'm bad at conventions. I'm bad, you guys. I never go in with a list or anything. I just kind of walk around and, oh, there's a Marvel Boy number two in 5.0. How much is that? which is really bad. I shouldn't do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, as always, 11 rockets, number one, uh, 9.8. If that shows up, I will be buying it. Hey, we'll be broadcasting live at the short box booth. So bring it by, uh, you watch Richard and I fight over it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I look back in 1998, I was comic book free. I didn't have a collection. 
I didn't have boxes of Captain Americas that I had since I was five years old. I, I was easy to move when I moved from place to place because I didn't have to lug those boxes around anymore. But I was just starting to buy comic books again. And that is a really clever segue into the 25 year rule. I'll let you guys judge if that was clever or not. I shouldn't <laughs> say it was clever. Uh, Richard, did you know that the X-Files comic book ended in 1998 with X-Files number 41? This is no, the last issue. I did not. I never read this series when it was out. It is probably the most 90s book ever. <laughs> you have uh, the X-Files uh, Fox TV series about conspiracy theories and aliens and things of that nature published by Topps Comics, a baseball card trading company that decided to dip their toe into the comic book world. This uh, sells for about 20 bucks, this last issue on eBay. Uh, there are also a lot of complete sets on eBay as well. So if you don't have everything and you want to buy a complete set, I would do that instead of just paying 20 bucks for this last issue because you get a complete set of one through 41 in the annuals for about 150 bucks. There's also a photo variant of this cover. What's interesting is this is one of the last comic books published by Topps Comics who went under in 1998. There was an issue of Xena Warrior Princess that came out a month after this. That's the last Topps comic book. And then poof, that was it for Topps. Yeah. Another victim claimed by the bottoming out of the comic book market. <laughs> yeah, bad timing on their part. I wonder if we'll ever see them uh, dip their toe in again. I don't know, but uh, X-Files, it was interesting that they, they just had that first movie come out in 1998. So it was a good time to be in that licensed comic book business. But man, Tops, I'm sure it was a lot of overhead. Who knows why they went under, but there is your 25-year rule for this week. Moving on to our underrated comic books of the week, Richard. Underrated? Can I define this for you? <laughs> I've, I've I decided to go with undervalued. Okay. Uh, my pick this week is X-Men number 266, the first cover appearance of Gambit. You know, there is an argument whether his first appearance was in X-Men annual number 14 or if it was this. That's not really an argument. He was in X-Men number 14, uh, annual 14. But he's, he's, he's featured. He's named. He's drawn <laughs> by Art Adams. Storm says, listen, Gambit. I mean, yeah. he came out. The three weeks before X Men two sixty six scheduling snafu. Yeah, I got all I got to say is Hulk one eighty. Yeah. You know, so you know, people yeah. decide it's it's what the market decides is the key book. The eternal debate. Yeah. Uh. So so this is his first, definitely his first cover appearance. Um. Watch out. There's a facsimile of this book that came out uh, last year, year before, uh, someplace around there. Um, there's a newsstand, there's a newsstand with a Mark, uh, jewelers insert, and there's a direct of this book. I think it's undervalued. I, the direct 9.8 right now is going for under $800. This is a major character from the X-Men mythos. I mean, this is other than, you know, the original X-Men, um, the, the, the X-Men that are important to fans include Gambit. Gambit. And here's, here's a secret. I'm not a big fan of Gambit, but I know other people are and at $800 and this book is dropping a little bit. So now is a good time to kind of dip in. Um, 
as X-Men become more front row, as you know, we'll see Wolverine in the upcoming Deadpool movie, um, we are definitely getting X-Men. There's an X-Men uh, animated series coming. There is uh, almost definitely an X-Men MCU movie coming here in the future. Buy the dip, and I think the dip is now. I think $800 for this book is is uh, a very good price. It's not cheap, and I, I, I will never call it cheap. But when it comes to an X-Men major character's first appearance, I think this is a good buy. Do you happen to know, I'm putting you on the spot here, it's okay if you don't. Do you happen to know what a 9.6 goes for? I do not. Uh, you know, uh, someone in the comments last week, shout out to whoever it was, I'm sorry, left a really good comment like, hey, what's wrong with a 9.6? You know? Oh yeah, no, there's nothing. There, you know, we need to do a show on that because there yeah. is a there is a, a market preference for nine point eights. Nine point eights aren't the perfect book. A no. ten point oh is a perfect book, right? So the market has decided that nine eight is the best quality that you can acquire uh, at a reasonable price. That doesn't mean other books of other grades aren't as important. It just means the market has decided arbitrarily that nine eights are, you know, the the top of the uh, the pyramid. A nine six are just as well. I buy a lot of nine sixes because I don't want to pay the nine eight price, but I want the book in my collection. Um, you know, it's 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 a good way of getting a high grade book without paying that nine eight price. And if you see it physically in person, you can take a look at the book inside the slab and really see if there is there a finger bend that could be pressed out. Mm -hmm. Or is it truly a nine six because there are like multiple color breaking ticks on that spine or a blunted corner? Because then you can really make a decision. Hey, I might be able to CPR this book, crack, press, and resubmit and get a nine eight. There's also the problem right now with everyone saying moderns are being really aggressively graded right now, and nine eights are not a sure thing like they used to be for some of these books. So maybe that'll put the shine back on a nine six. Yeah, nine sixes are interesting books because, like you say, there could be flaws in the book. I have some books that are nine eights that have a significant issue with them that will, they'll always be a nine eight. And as a matter of fact, I probably will never get them reslab because I don't want them to make it a nine four. Um, but there are, you know, the grading process is very, um, very subjective. So the person who's grading the book is a human being. I mean, there's no laser sight that determines that this is the right. Uh, right condition for a nine eight. So a human being does that. And that hum human being has variance in what he determines something is. So on Monday, he may see this book as a nine six. And on Tuesday, because he had a, his coffee and you know all the other things, he may see it a nine eight. If that book is borderline like that, there is a chance that you could flip that nine six into a nine eight by like, like John says, CPR it and send it back in. It could be worth the chance. I mean, I have an, a nine six here on the wall that if it was a nine eight would be a, a really, really expensive book. It might be worth it to me to press it and spend the 40 bucks, get it graded. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about Gambit, how much we hate him, uh, because that's always fun. <laughs> well, first of all, is Gambit like the last major new, and I'm using new in quotes, X-Men <laughs> character that's introduced that has lasted? Yeah. I mean, was Jubilee before or after him? Jubilee was before X-Men 245. Oh. Okay. And then you, you had people like Marrow, yeah. you know, that I don't even know if they're around anymore. I think Gambit might be the last yeah. legacy X-Men character to hang around, right? Right. Yeah. And his, in his relationship with Rogue, I think, is an important part of him 
you know, having that longevity. But people love him. Me personally, that that Cajun accent, that <laughs> Cajun man, uh, Adam Sandler from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a primary mutation. <laughs> he, he, that and you add on, um, you know, uh, rogue Southern drawl. And I, I don't have any problem with those with those accents. It's just the way they're written. Claremontisms. Yeah, it's it's. I he's not one of my favorite characters, but like I said, I can understand his importance and in, in X Men mythos. I, he's one of those Claremont characters that is defined by an accent. Mm-hmm. You know what other personality traits does he have he's a traitor okay um and one of those just really ill-defined power sets what's gambit's power um throw, kinetically charging things and throwing them that's that's Is that all. It? okay wasn't there like a luck thing happening for a while too or am i misremembering that Is there a luck thing i thought that was uh what's his name black cat uh, <laughs> no, what's his name the uh long shot i thought his, he was shot. okay maybe i'm confusing my uh my uh projectile throwing mutants <laughs> bad mullets from the 80s uh but yeah gambit fans in the comments tell us why please we're curious we want to know yeah I, it's it's a very good question because i purse but then again i started back when you know the the new team uh that came around with a giant size x-men number one that was the team for me. And anybody yeah. after that is this an, an also rat. So it, it Ooh, I just thought of someone else that came after who Bishop. And yeah, I'm not he, a big Bishop fan either. Or Cable. Cable. Yeah. Cable. Cable's X-Force though, not X-Men. That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, am I forgetting anybody after Bishop? Everyone jump in, please. We're old. Uh, things are getting foggy. <laughs> Yeah, the X Men, you know, the is defining defining X Men is very porous because he has so many different teams, and sometimes they're a villain like Emma Frost, and sometimes they're on the X Men like Emma Frost, and sometimes they're a villain again like Magneto, and sometimes they're on, you know, it's it's different. Magneto should never be a hero. Sorry, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. I you know, Doom is a different story, but Magneto he is not 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 a hero. He he has his own sense of law and order to what he does, but it's counter what the majority, you know, he's, he's all about mutants and mutants as a superior creature above humans. And he will do whatever is necessary to, to further the, uh, you know, the mutants rights and mutants ability to be superior. But there are just continuity actions that a character can take that you can't just come from, you know, killing an entire submarine full of Russian uh, naval uh, 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 officers can't come in X-Men 150, by the way, you can't come back from that. You know, I know they tried to gloss over it, but Charles Xavier that I know would never go, oh, yeah, you know, let them handle the new mutants. They're they're under 18. They're mal- <laughs> oh yeah yeah that yeah, x-men is an interesting team and that's why one of the reasons why i think it's it's has such a great longevity is because it's not pigeonholed into one yeah. particular group of characters in one particular situation it changes and morphs over time you know we got krakoa now where everything's happening and i think that's fascinating and that's why x-men are always be my favorite uh superhero team i thought of two more uh that have come since gambit that may still be around it may still be significant phantom x 
mm -hmm. from the Grant Morrison run in Zorn. Oh, um, what's her name? Um, starts with a P. Psylocke? Psylocke, thank you. Yeah. Psylocke, but Psylocke was before Gambit. It's, Psylocke's in the 240s. Okay. Yeah, and uh, uh, New Mutants Annual number two. And also Captain Britain number eight with the first appearance of Betsy Brown. <clears throat> okay. Never it. ever get into uh, a mental knife fight with John's memory. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh you'll pull all these facts out and i never fact check them because i just assume he's right john you big old know-it-all you know just just act confident no one will ever question you just rattle just rattle random issues off oh that was x-men 245 first jubilee uh drawn by rob lifefield by the way uh my underrated book of the week is uh really hitting a target audience let me put it that way he's very specific target audience it is Death's Head number eight from the first Death's Head series, Marvel UK. This is, believe it or not, the first appearance of Doctor Who in Marvel Universe continuity. Wow. Now, Marvel had published a couple Doctor Who comics before this, you know, Marvel Premiere, Doctor Who Weekly in the UK, of course, which was reprinted in the direct sales only Doctor Who comic book in the US. But Death's Head was in the Marvel Universe. And in issue number eight, he's hired to steal the TARDIS, which is Doctor Who. Um, I'm a big Whovian. This book mm -hmm. speaks to me. I do not have it. I started doing some research on it today. There's no GPA data on this book. Oh, wow. There is one single solitary slab on the CGC census, and that is a 9.6. But this book does sell anywhere from $7 to $45 on eBay. This is appealing for us Whovians out there. And I also believe this is one you can find for sure in bargain bins at comic book stores and conventions all across this great nation because who's collecting death's head. <laughs> so, so, so Dr. Who is in the Marvel continuity. That's I'm sure at the time when Marvel had the license, they don't have the license anymore. Titan does. So, uh, this will never be reprinted, I'm sure. It won't be reprinted until Kevin Feige decides he wants to buy out uh, Dr. The BBC. <laughs> He's going to buy the BBC. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> He's Disney is powerful. Yeah, he's got Disney's pockets on, you know, behind him. You know, it's a significant amount of cash. And do any of you guys have uh, Death's Head number eight? You want to sell a homeboy? We're going to be at California Comic-Con this Sunday, February 5th. Yes, bring bring your love and rockets number number one nine point eights for us to look at, and your death heads number eight for Peter. <laughs> Richard, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Remind everybody where we're going to be Sunday. <laughs> we we're going to be at California Comic Con. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Anybody in Southern California area who's got the free time on Sunday, stop on by. We'd be happy to say hi and just be. Just to share a comic book moment. Or if you're Mr. Moneybags from Monopoly like Richard over here, you can fly out from uh, Ohio to Southern California. I, I had Miles. <laughs> you had what? Miles and Miles. Of uh, Morales? Uh, airline Miles. Okay, sorry. I hear you mentioned Miles, and I know. I think I know what you're talking about. Hey, everybody, thanks. Uh, hit like, hit subscribe. Thanks again for helping us get over 5K thank subscribers. You. I still can't wrap my head around it, but thank you all very much. Thank you so much. And everybody, stay safe.